0: Lesson eight for February fourteen to twenty. Words of wisdom. Sabbath afternoon, February fourteen. Before we start, let's pray. Our heavenly Father, we come to you again as we open your Word. We thank you for what you bring to us through the salvation that's offered, through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. And as we open your word this week, we just pray that we may not only realise that as our own personal life and direction, but also that we may gain more of an understanding of how you want us to live in this life. Bless us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our memory text this week is Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 6. Most men will proclaim each his own goodness, but... Who can find a faithful man? Let's read that again, Proverbs 20 and verse 6. Most men will proclaim each his own goodness, but who can find a faithful man? To some degree, a great degree actually, we are all products of our environment. Though heredity plays a big role, the values we hold come to us from what is around us, our home, our education, our culture. From infancy, we are impacted by what we see and hear. Unfortunately, what we see and hear isn't always the best for us. The world around us is fallen in every way and it cannot help impacting us negatively. Nevertheless, we have been given the promise of the Holy Spirit and we have God's Word which points us to something higher and better than the world does. This week we will look at various proverbs and the practical truths they express. Truths that, if taken to heart and followed, can indeed help us to overcome the negativity of this fallen world and prepare us for a better one. Sunday, February 15, We Are All Equal Question Read Proverbs 20, verse 12 What does this teach us about the value of all humans? Verse 12 The hearing ear and the seeing eye The Lord has made them both Unlike the theory of evolution, which considers us all to be nothing but chance products of a mindless cosmos... The Bible teaches that all humans were created by God, for, as it says in acts chapter seventeen twenty six and He has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth, and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. It is no accident either that Thomas Jefferson asserted the equality of all human beings precisely because they were created by God. It's in the Lord and in Him alone that we have our equality. Now, though we all have the same Maker, this doesn't mean we are all the same. Even identical twins don't wind up behaving exactly alike. In Corinthians, Paul talks about our differences and stresses that they should not lead to a sense of superiority but should instead help us to see our need for one another. As he writes in 1 Corinthians twelve twenty one. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Question. Read Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 9. What else makes us all equal? Verse 9. Who can say, I have made my heart clean, I am pure from my sin. Sin is another universal equalizer. To the rhetorical question of the proverb, the answer, no one, points to the tragic and hopeless condition of humankind. Humans are all weak and mortal, and all the money and power in the world will not change that. Yet, in the context of the scriptures, this reference to human sinfulness should not lead to despair because Jesus' death on the cross and His resurrection have paved the way for anyone, no matter how sinful, to have the promise of eternal life. And this life comes solely through faith in Him, not by our works. As Ellen White writes in Faith and Works, page 20, If man cannot, by any of his good works, merit salvation then it must be holy of grace, received by man as a sinner because he receives and believes in Jesus. It is wholly a free gift. Justification by faith is placed beyond controversy. And all this controversy is ended as soon as the matter is settled that the merits of fallen man in his good works can never procure eternal life for him. End of quote. And so to finish the day. Do you ever find yourself feeling superior or inferior to other people? You shouldn't be comparing yourself to others anyway. If so, what should the cross tell you about the equality of us all? Monday, February 16, The Test of Life Their works follow them, says Revelation fourteen thirteen, about the reward of the righteous. Only the future will testify to the real value of the individual. People may boast now of their wealth, their knowledge, their physical prowess, and maybe that is all true. But what does it mean in the sight of God? So often the trays accomplishments and deeds that humans uplift as important or impressive are shown to be meaningless dross that they really are. After all, look at some of the despicable characters, often in the entertainment industry, who were all but worshipped and adored by fans. What we idolise and worship presents a powerful testimony to how fallen we are. Question Read Proverbs chapter twenty and verse six, and also look at Jeremiah nine twenty-three and twenty-four, and Mark nine thirty-five. What are these texts telling us about what is of true value to God? First of all, Proverbs twenty verse six: Most men will proclaim each his own goodness, but who can find a faithful man? And Jeremiah nine twenty-three and twenty-four: Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Actually, it starts, thus says the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, let not the mighty man glory in his might, nor let the rich man glory in his riches, but let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight, says the Lord, and Mark 9.35. nine thirty five and he sat down, called the twelve and said to them If any one desires to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. It is not the single sensational act of love or sacrifice that will demonstrate the high quality of our relationships, but the long and regular series of small actions that we perform day by day patiently and surely the daily meal served to your spouse, the constant attention to a sick parent, the continued effort in your job, all these humble acts throughout life are the evidence that your faith is authentic. Enduring faithfulness is more valuable than intense but rare acts of love. This principle holds true for our relationship with God as well it is more important and more valuable to live for God than to die for Him, if for no other reason than that living takes more time than dying. The saint who lives for God is greater than the martyr who dies for him. Anyone can claim to believe in God and to serve Him. The question is, does it last? Or as Jesus said in Matthew twenty-four thirteen, He who endures to the end shall be saved. So to finish today, how, through patience, kindness and a willingness to meet others' needs, can you reveal to someone something of the character of Christ? How willing are you to do this, no matter the cost, to yourself? Tuesday, February 17, Waiting for the Lord Question Read Proverbs chapter 20, verse 17, and chapter 21, verse 5 What practical lesson can we find in these texts? Well, chapter 20, verse 17 Bread gained by deceit is sweet to a man, but afterward his mouth will be filled with gravel And 21, verse 5 the plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty, but those of every one who is hasty surely to poverty. The thief who steals bread gets it faster than the one who has to work for it. Salespeople who lie to sell their bad merchandise may become rich faster than the honest merchant. Um, let's compare verse five to the next verse, which reads. Getting treasures by a lying tongue is the fleeting fantasy of those who seek death. Yet, says the proverb, the future will turn the sweetness into gravel and the hastily acquired wealth will become poverty. The text gives a number of examples to illustrate the accuracy of this observation. 1. The inheritance. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 20 And verse 21. An inheritance gained hastily at the beginning will not be blessed at the end. The mention of an inheritance obtained too quickly, implying that the parents are still alive, follows the condemnation of the one who curses his parents in verse 20. Whoever curses his father or his mother, his lamp will be put out in deep darkness. The association of these two proverbs is significant. It is as if the son, or the daughter, curses the parents and also wishes them dead. The child may even have plotted the death of the parents in order to get the inheritance. The prospect of this behavior is tragic. The lamp he is presently enjoying will become, as it says in verse 20, deep darkness, and his curse against his parents will turn on him, For he, as it says in verse 21, will not be blessed at the end. And two, revenge. Proverbs 20, verse 22. Do not say, I will recompense evil. Wait for the Lord, and he will save you. This time, the proverb addresses the victim who may be tempted to seek revenge for the evil that has been committed against him. The counsel is just to wait for the Lord. Only then will you be saved, which implies that if you do seek revenge, you are taking a serious risk. Proverbs 25 verses 21 and 22 emphasises the same instruction, using the metaphor of heaping coals of fire on the enemy's head, an Egyptian ritual expressing repentance and conversion. If you refrain from revenge, promises Proverbs 20 verses 22... You will be saved by the Lord, and in the process, adds Proverbs 25, verses 21 to 22, You will save your enemy, thus overcoming evil with good. Let's read Proverbs 25, verses 20 and 21. Like one who takes away a garment in cold weather, and like vinegar on soda, is one who sings songs to a heavy heart. If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat, and if he is thirsty give him water to drink for so you will heap coals of fire on his head and the lord will reward you and as it says in romans twelve twenty one, do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good so to finish today how can you learn to emulate the character of christ more closely when it comes to overcoming evil with good Why is this so contrary to our inherent nature? Why is death to self the only way to achieve this end? Wednesday, February 18, Compassion for the Poor A person's character is measured less by wisdom or even religious commitments than by readiness to help the poor and the needy. It is not what you have that measures your character. What you are to your neighbour is the measure of character. The Samaritan who saves his neighbour is closer to the kingdom of God than the spiritual priest. Let's look at Luke 10, verses 26 to 37. He said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbour as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this, and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, So which of these three do you think was neighbour to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, He who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. The book of Proverbs emphasises and explains this priority. For God's sake. The first reason to make this a priority lies in God himself, who prefers human compassion for the poor over our religious zeal. As we read in Proverbs 19, verse 7, He who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord, and he will pay back what he has given. And chapter 21, verse 13, Whoever shuts his ears to the cry of the poor will also cry himself and not be heard. Your sensitivity to the poor and your concrete deeds on their behalf will count more with God than will any of your pious acts. In fact, God is personally invested in that work, so much so that when we give to the poor, it is as if we are giving to God himself, as we read in Matthew 25 verses 35 to 40, For I was hungry and you gave me food, I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, Inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Question. What does this tell us about how Jesus identifies so closely with those in need? How should this truth impact how we relate to such people? For the sake of the poor. The second reason lies within the poor person whom God has created, just as he has created the rich person. Proverbs 22 verse 2 The rich and the poor have this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. The equality between humans, based on the fact that God has created them all, makes the poor as worthy of attention as the rich person. We should love our neighbours for who they are, beings made in the image of God. At the same time, think about how much good it does you to help those in need. Our basic natures are selfish. By default, we tend to look out for ourselves over and above others. By giving of ourselves, we learn to die to self and to better reflect Christ's character. And what is of more value to us than that? And so to finish today... In what ways do you get a greater sense of personal satisfaction from helping others in need than only doing things for yourself? Thursday, February 19, Education The Hebrew word for education comes from a word that means to build up and to begin. All these meanings are contained in the Hebrew idea of education. When we train up a child, as it says in Proverbs 22, 6, we build up, we begin, we lay the groundwork for the future. Parents and educators are therefore responsible for their children's future and by implication, the future of the world. What we do with our children today will impact society for generations to come. Question. Read Proverbs 22 verse 6. What does this say about the importance of educating children correctly? Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. It is significant that the Hebrew word for educate is the very word used for the dedication of the temple in 1 Kings 8.63 and Solomon offered a sacrifice of peace offerings which he offered to the Lord, 22,000 bulls and 120,000 sheep. So the king and all the children of Israel dedicated the house of the Lord. Early education means to dedicate our children to God in the same way that the temple is dedicated to God. Education has an impact on our salvation, even beyond our own life. As Ellen White writes in Child Guidance, page 38, to parents is committed the great work of educating and training their children for the future, immortal life, end of quote. Such education has an eternal effect. The Apostle Paul seems to allude to Proverbs twenty-two six when he commends Timothy for his early training in the knowledge of the holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation. Second Timothy three fifteen. Question: Read Proverbs chapter twenty-two verses eight and fifteen. What principles do we find here? Verse 8 He who sows iniquity will reap sorrow and the rod of his anger will fail. And verse 15 Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child the rod of correction will drive it far from him. Education can be compared to the activity of sowing. The future of our society and our children depends on what we have sown. If our seed was iniquity, then our education, the rod, will fail, and we shall reap trouble, as we read in verse 8. If our seed touched the hearts of the children, as in verse 15, then the rod of our education will drive the children's foolishness far from them. So to finish the day. We so often teach others, especially children, by our example. Think about your example. What kind of legacy are you leaving? In what areas, if any, might your example be better? Friday, February twenty. From the book Child Guidance, page 151, we read Parents should be models of truthfulness, for this is the daily lesson to be impressed upon the heart of the child. Undeviating principle should govern parents in all the affairs of life, especially in the education and training of their children. Parents, never prevaricate, never tell an untruth in precept or in example. If you want your child to be truthful, be truthful yourself. And from the same book, page 38, many fathers and mothers seem to think that if they feed and clothe their little ones and educate them according to the standard of the world, they have done their duty. They are too much occupied with business or pleasure to make the education of their children the study of their lives. They do not seek to train them so that they will employ their talents for the honor of their Redeemer. Solomon did not say, Tell a child the way you should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. But, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And that brings us to our three discussion questions for this week. 1. Dwell more on the idea of Proverbs 22, verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Why must we be careful in how we apply this? That is, many parents have done a good job in rearing their children, and yet as adults those children make wrong choices. Why must we never forget the reality of free will and the reality of the great controversy as we look at the meaning of this text? Question 2. Look again at the final question at the end of Wednesday's study. What does it tell us about ourselves that we get such a sense of satisfaction from helping others especially when we get nothing in return. Why should this truth tell us about why so many people who have so much of the world's riches are miserable nonetheless? And question three. Though we are not all equal in talents, education, experience and so forth, we are equal in the most important thing. We all need the cross for salvation. What should this teach us about the basic equality and worth of all human beings? More so, how much should this truth impact how we treat people? inside story our mission story this week is titled "Braden's testimony paul brown and his family are a true blessing to me a few years ago when they moved in my step-grandfather asked paul if i could mow paul's yard paul agreed and soon a connection grew between me and his family and i found out what nice people they are his kids Peyton and stormy are very upbeat and friendly Their mother, Christy, is really nice and is always there to help me. One day I asked Peyton why they were always away on Saturdays. I thought it was weird that I couldn't do any work for them on that day. Peyton invited me to come to church with them. I liked it, but after a while I started slacking off. Six months later I was back, this time to stay. I joined the Pathfinder Club. As we were coming back from a camp out, Peyton, my cousin Hunter and I were talking about school. Hunter and I didn't like our school because there were so many fights. Hunter said that he hoped to someday go to a Christian school. Peyton asked, why don't you just go to a Christian school? Our parents agreed to let us go to Highland Adventist School here in Elkins and Paul found sponsors for us. I liked the school a lot. The teachers and staff are really nice and the students are friendly, not fighting. One day, as we were going to church, Peyton said he wanted to get baptised. Hunter and I said that we wanted to get baptised with him. So we took Bible studies together and were baptised on November 2nd, 2013. The church members are the nicest people I've ever met. They are always there for you. And the pastor, Dan, there's something about his preaching that just sticks with me. I like the people here a lot. They are like my second family that I've always wanted. Being able to come here and know about the Seventh-day Adventist Church has been a real blessing to me. No one else in my family are Adventists. They don't understand why I don't do some things I used to do. My stepdad can't understand why I don't eat pork. All my life I've eaten it. And at first it was hard to not eat it. But I'm glad I went off of it. I've seen a change in my weight and my personality. Everything has gone up since I was baptized. Your reader for this week's lesson has been Dr. Percy Harold. This lesson is brought to you by the Sabbath School Department, Christian Services for the Blind and Hearing Impaired, and through the services of Adventist Media Network. Remember, God is always faithful.